Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Uh, I'm preaching by faith to a full house and just believing that the Lord's going to help me to bring this message across the way that He needs for it to come across. So as you're opening up your Bible to 1 John, 1 John, not the Gospel of John, 1 John, towards the end of your Bible, 1 John chapter 2. If you want to put your thumb in there or be ready to flip there, that's where we're going to start, 1 John chapter 2. But let's hold up our Bibles and let's say this together like we do every Sunday. <clears throat> and we'll say it together. Ready? Read. This is my Bible. It is God's Word written to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I receive it as truth for my life today and open my heart to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Some of you that were here noticed last week it was different. I need to get my new, uh, uh, my new and improved from the Lord verbiage up there to our pastor Spencer who prepares that for us because I've included... And I open my heart to hear God speak a word and fill me with the Holy Spirit so that my life will be changed forever. I just believe every time we gather around worship and the word, we should receive a fresh infilling from the Holy Spirit. Amen, Joey? We should leave differently. We should leave full of the Spirit and ready to spill out. First John chapter 2, get a running start. Verse 16, I'm reading out of the New King James Version. And I am starting my timer on my phone. This is what it says. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. We've talked a little bit already about the pride of life, and we talked a little bit about the lust of the eyes last week. And today we're going to talk about the lust of the flesh. We've been in a series that we're calling Finding Freedom. And the series title comes from the words of Jesus. He said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And no matter where we're at in our journey with Christ, as Christians, it's very possible that we could still be striving for freedom in a particular area or two in our lives. In other words, we're not experiencing the freedom at the level that God wants us to. So that's why we believe that this is a very relevant topic for us as Christians. And we should be after this with our whole heart. I hope that you've been receiving something from this series and that it's been encouraging you and showing you some levels of freedom that God wants for you to experience. Well, one of the areas of freedom is the lust of the flesh. The lust of the flesh is this craving that we have that's not of God. This ungodly craving that we feel when we look at something or we're thinking about something. We got to have it, but this is forbidden. This is not something God wants us to tap into for our lives. Let me give you a perfect example. I think you can go with me on this. Have you ever been on a diet 
or you've just been trying to take better care of yourself, maybe eat better or do some exercise, right? I think all of us can relate. And all of a sudden, you find yourself in one of your favorite restaurants. And you went to the restaurant just thinking, I'm going to get a salad. I'm going to get a salad, and I'm just going to use the oil and vinegar. I'm not going to get ranch. I'm just going to get a salad with oil and vinegar. But then all of a sudden, you find yourself looking at the menu. Somebody say, don't look at the menu, right? And, and as hard as you try, you end up looking at the menu. And as hard as you try, you end up in the burger section. Can I get an amen? And uh, you're thinking salad, 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 but I'm going to add something to this salad. And it's like the double cheeseburger with the applewood smoked bacon and the two slabs of Swiss cheese. And for all you mushroom lovers, I add those too. And you kind of think it's okay because you made a decision in your mind that you're going to get the broccoli as a side <laughs> instead of the fries, right? And you're, you're just trying to, you're trying to go with it, right? But you know there's something in your flesh. You just want this burger, and then you finally give into it, and you say, just bring me the crispy fries, why don't you? And then I'm going to skip the ketchup, and I'm going to get the ranch and the barbecue dip mixed together because that's how I like my crispy fries. Can anybody witness besides me, Amen. right? What is that? I mean, it sounds kind of funny, but that's the lust of the flesh. That's, that's you, know, you know you want to get a salad, but there's something that comes up on the inside of you, and as hard as you want to resist that temptation, you can't. The title of today's message is Fighting for Your Life. And here's the subtitle, Breaking Free from the Spirit of lust. I remember I was about 21 years old, and I haven't hid this from you. I'm certainly never going to tell you everything, but I didn't grow up in a godly home. I didn't grow up going to church, and by the time I started losing my baby fat, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, I was hitting the gym regularly. I was getting kind of buffed out, and I was living in the world and for the lust of the flesh. And on one particular night, I was about 21 years old. I was at uh, the Black Angus in, in, in West Covina. And the restaurant shuts down at a, personal, a specific time. And then they turn on the lights and the, the dance floor opens and the DJ gets going and everything changes from dinner to party time. And I used to like to go there. That was my favorite place, one of my favorite places. And on this particular night... I met this young lady, we danced, we got our groove on, we became friends for the night, and uh, I took her to her home in my vehicle, gave her a ride home, she went with her friends, I, I got lucky, right, I took her home, and uh, I remember vividly, we were sitting in my Nissan hard body pickup truck, in front of her apartment complex. We were just talking, I promise. And then all of a sudden, like at two or three in the morning, this car goes by real slow. The taillights go on and she sees the car. She said, that's not good news. I said, what? That's my baby's daddy. That's your baby's daddy and his three friends. Well, get out of my car. She's like, no, I don't want to get out of your car. 
I, I, I mean, I just barely met you. Get out of my car. You know, I'm going home. No, before you know it, the car backs up fast, and then he does one of these in front of my pickup truck. And this happens so fast. Three guys jump out of the car. I open up my driver door, and one of the guys walks over to the passenger. He busts the passenger window out, and he grabs the young woman out by her hair, screaming at 2 o'clock in the morning. And before you know it, the guy over here, baby's daddy, confronting me. I just met her. You can have her. Before you know it, he cold cocks me with a crowbar right across the side of my face. And see, I didn't realize it then, but I know now. I was fighting for my life. And it was more than just the club, and it was more than just the girl. It was more than just the many girls, the women, the parting. It was more than that. It was trying to break free from a spirit that had a grip on my life. And it was a spirit of lust. And it's a real thing, guys. It's a real thing. And so I want to be very upfront. This might be a little uncomfortable to look at, but I want us to look at Proverbs chapter 7. Because in Proverbs chapter 7, we have King Solomon, who was King David's son, and he's talking about the spirit of lust that's found in adultery. And we can broaden the spectrum and we can say it's also found in fornication. That's sex between two people who aren't married. And it can be found in pornography and all of that stuff in that category. But this is something that we need to look at because King Solomon is going to give us a warning and he's going to paint a picture. And then we're going to identify three steps on this pathway to the spirit of lust that we need to avoid so that we don't get caught on this pathway. Now, although he's writing to young men, women are not excluded. And this is something that is applicable even if you're not married. Proverbs chapter 7 reading through it, and then we'll come back and identify some things. He says, my son, keep my words and treasure my commands within you. Keep my commands and live and my law as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Say to wisdom, you are my sister and call understanding your nearest kin. Why? That they, wisdom and my words, may keep you from the immoral woman, I'll add this, or the immoral man, from the seductress who flatters with her or his words. And here's his reason. This is something he saw. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple. Simple means naive, 
without life experience or and open-minded. I saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths, the young people, a young man devoid without understanding, passing along the street near her corner. And he took the path to her house in the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark night. And there a woman caught him with the attire of a harlot. Harlot's not a good thing. And a crafty heart. Somebody say crafty. Let me just point out something. The word crafty is the same word that is used to describe the serpent who is Satan in Genesis chapter 3. So this is more than just a woman or a man. This is the spirit of lust on the woman or the man. They were crafty, cunning, just like Satan. Verse 11, she was loud and rebellious. Her feet would not stay at home. Talking about the spirit on this woman. At times she was outside, at times in the open square, lurking at every corner. The word lurking doesn't mean just hanging around. It means to lie in wait, hoping to prey upon someone. Verse 13, so she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face, a hard stone cold face. She said to him, listen, straight faced, I have peace offerings with me. Today, I have paid my vows. Now let me pause and just we need to notice that, okay? So these people in this conversation are people that are familiar with God. They're familiar with Old Testament sacrifice. Peace offerings were offerings given to God. And she said, I've got peace offerings with me. What is she saying? She's either saying, I've already asked for forgiveness for what I'm trying to get you to do. Or don't worry, we can ask for forgiveness together after we do it. Now, it might sound ridiculous, but I can't tell you how many conversations that I've had with people who are professing Christians who say, I know, Pastor Robert, we probably shouldn't be doing this, but I want you to know that we read the Bible and we pray together after. That doesn't make it okay. Can somebody say amen? amen. Now, I know we live in a culture that says it's okay, but we're not shallowing out, church. We're going deep into what God's word says is truth. Amen. Amen. Right? Why is that important? Well, let's keep going. Verse 15. She says, so I came out to meet you diligently to seek your face. And I have found you. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrhs and aloes and cinnamon. So she's ready for him. She might even be a woman of substance. She's using special oils and, and scents, and she's got her bed all decked out. Listen, this is not good. This is a pathway that you need to make a decision to avoid, especially when you're younger and it hasn't got a hold of you yet. I can remember when I was like, 10 or 12 years old, going across the street on my bikes with my friends. There were some commercial buildings. They did all kinds of different work. And then in the back of the buildings were big kind of commercial trash bins. 
And we would go dumpster diving on our bikes because we'd find things that were good that we could use as kids. But listen, I remember finding magazines. It wasn't Time magazine. And even as a little boy, that spirit gripped me and got a hold of me. So we got to pay real close attention to what's happening here. Then she says this. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Let me interject. Love is between a husband and a wife, a man and a woman, married, committed for life. That's love. This is lust. For my husband, she's married, is not at home. He's gone on a long journey. He's taking a bag of money with him, and he'll come home on the appointed day. Don't worry. I know where he's at, and I know when he's coming back. We can do this. Spirit of lust. Then she says, with her enticing speech, she caused him to yield. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her. Listen, as an ox goes to the slaughter. Or as a fool to the correction of the stocks. Stocks are restraining uh, um, items that they would use in old days. Maybe still today in other parts of the world. You put your arms in there and your legs in there. And it would be, everybody could see you. You're imprisoned. Or an ox. He just kind of blindly and dumbly goes in maybe for some food. And, and he's just going to his slaughter. This is how this young man is being pictured. Verse 23, till an arrow struck his liver as a bird hastens to the snare. Listen, he did not know it would cost his life. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray, notice, in her paths. Why? It's fun. For she has cast down many wounded, and all who were slain by her were strong men. Her house is the way to hell, descending to the chambers of death. All who were slain by her were strong men. Think about how many famous people that we've heard about falling to the spirit of lust. Christians, pastors. CEOs, powerful men and women over companies, musicians, movie stars. The list goes on and on and on. I can name some, and you'd know who they were right now. Some of them dead physically. Some of them dead in life. They've lost everything. Business, fame, fortune, relationships. Because of this spirit right here. God wants his people to be free from the spirit of lust. Can somebody say amen, Pastor Robert? Amen. Now, I want to just identify three steps on this pathway. Why? So that we can avoid them. Step number one on this pathway to the spirit of lust is desire. It's a step called desire. Proverbs 6.25. I want to go to Proverbs 6.25. Notice what he says. He says, do not... Lust after her, I would also say do not lust after him or their beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her 
eyelids. It's like you go into the restaurant, right? Don't look at the menu. Don't look at the menu. Don't look at the menu. And then you look at the menu. Guys, don't look at the menu. Right? I'll put it this way. If you don't look at the menu, you won't be tempted to order. So we got to be really, really careful. He says, don't lust after her in your heart. The word lust means to covet, to want, to desire, to delight. This, this craving that we have, that's not God. It, it's not a healthy craving. And I say that because I want you to know that there is a healthy desire. As a matter of fact, Jesus uses the same word in Luke twenty two fifteen. He says, then he said to the disciples, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. So Jesus uses the word desire. By the way, that word desire in the Greek is the same word as lust in the Greek, epithemeo. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. It's a craving or a longing for something. There's a bad desire, a bad lust, a bad craving, a bad longing. But then there's one from God. There's one that's healthy. There's one that's good. So the word is neutral. What's important is the spirit behind the word that's coming into your heart. Is it the Holy Spirit? Or is it the spirit from the enemy that wants to get you on this pathway to lust? Galatians 5, 16 and 17 puts it this way. I say then, walk in the spirit, the Holy Spirit, and you shall not fulfill... Listen, the lust of the flesh. So if we're learning to walk and grow in our relationship with the Spirit of God and the leading of God and the Word of God, then we won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit lusts against the flesh. They're contrary to one another. They're fighting one another. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. In a positive light, the more that I'm learning to walk in the Holy Spirit, His power, His presence, His leading, His direction in my life, the the stronger the Holy Spirit will lust against the Spirit from the enemy and help me to do the things that are pleasing to God, the things that God wants me to do. Let me just say this, okay? God is not against sex. He made it. By the way, some might be thinking, Pastor Robert, I mean, we're in church. Listen, uh, we're like in an over-sexualized culture. You, you, You see it everywhere. Burger commercials are full of sexual lust and pictures. Burger commercials. That's how prevalent it is in our society. And we have to be so careful about where our eyes are wandering and what we're looking at. God made it. He made it to be a blessing. He made it to uh, bring life. He made it to be enjoyed between husband and wife, one male and one female. So we got to know the difference between a God desire An ungodly desire. Where do we find the difference? We find the difference from God's word. And then we ask the Holy Spirit to help us to go after the godly desire. That's the first step. This ungodly desire. We got to avoid that. So let's not allow pictures or or places or people or things 
to tempt us to go down that wrong path. Second step on the pathway to the spirit of lust that we've got to avoid is deception. Say that with me. Deception. Look at Proverbs chapter 6 again, verses 27 through 30. Listen to what he says. He's asking a question that we know the answer to. He says, can a man take fire to his bosom and his clothes not be burned? What's the answer? No. Verse 28. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? Of course not. So is he who goes into his neighbor's wife. So is he who has an affair, an adulterous affair. Whoever touches her shall not be innocent. Watch this. People do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Now let me pause because we're talking about adultery. We're talking about sex outside of God's prescribed way of having it. Then he starts talking about a thief stealing something to satisfy hunger. It almost sounds out of place. But the point that he's trying to make is that adultery is stealing what's not yours. And adultery is deceptive because you'll never, ever be satisfied. But you think you will. And that's why it's deceptive. Not only that, this deception will have somebody thinking, it's not a big deal. I could get away with it. But God's word says different. Look at verse 31 again. Yet when he is found, listen, he's talking about a thief, he must restore sevenfold. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding he who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get. And his reproach, his shame, will not be wiped away. Now listen. I'm not throwing any stones at anybody. I never, I never could. This, this, I don't want to be judgmental or sound judgmental. Because I have struggled with this stuff. And it has been a fight for my life. Only by the grace of God and by the power of his word and the Holy Spirit, I'm still here today. Amen. So if, if you or somebody you know has struggled with this, this is not the time to bring shame or condemnation to people. This is the time to remind them, Jesus paid so that you can be free. Jesus paid so that you can have a wonderful marriage and you can experience life to the full in your marriage. And Jesus wants you to stay clear of this pathway so you don't get sucked into the spirit of lust. Now, what's interesting about these words that we're reading from King Solomon, King Solomon knew this all too well. Some of you may know his own dad, King David, came to know King Solomon's mother, Bathsheba through adultery, which led to an attempted cover-up, which led to murder of Bathsheba's husband, which led to consequences that haunted King David and his family for the rest of his life. So the first step we want to avoid is desire. Desire. 
ungodly desire. The second step we want to avoid is deception. Thinking I'm going to be satisfied when you never will be satisfied. Thinking it's okay to be stealing another person's wife or husband and thinking it's not going to make a difference and I'm never going to get caught. As are lies. That's deception. Here's the third step on the pathway of the spirit of lust that we have to, we have to avoid. Notice Proverbs 7.23 again. It's Proverbs 7.23. Um, if you have a Bible, look at it with me. Proverbs 7.23. Notice what it says. As a bird hastens to the snare... He did not know it would cost his life. He did not know it would cost his life. Now, it's worth talking about that just for a minute because in this context, adultery in the Old Testament deserved death. So I have a hard time believing that this young person that Solomon is talking about didn't know, like intelligently know, that he could be put to death for this, like stoned to death, literally. I think he knew. But when the spirit of lust gets a hold of somebody, all, all, all reasonable thinking is just thrown out the window, team. And you just go down that path like an ox going to the slaughter, knowing in your head that this is only leading to danger and death, but trying to rationalize it like he did, and you just go anyway. I just watched a documentary on Jeff Epstein. Epstein, Epstein, I don't know how to pronounce it. Some of you may have heard of him. But I was, I mean, I was shocked. I couldn't believe it. He was this wealthy billionaire, very strange guy. But apparently for I don't know how many years, 15, 20 years maybe, he, he somehow avoided getting caught. And, and he was he was taking advantage of, of young girls, 12, 13, 14 years old, and manipulating them and causing them to do things that weren't right and paying them to do it and paying them to bring other girls. And this ring of girls and the lives that he destroyed is just innumerable. Never, ever thought he would get caught. And if you know the story... He gets caught one time. He serves 15 months. But during the day when he's supposed to be in prison, he's allowed to go to work. And he leaves his office and he's doing all kinds of things he shouldn't do because he was kind of above the law and everybody was giving him plenty of slack because he was a powerful billionaire and he had a lot of connections. So they let him do all kinds of things that they wouldn't have allowed other people to do. The FBI finally got involved and peeled everything back. Long story short, he's arrested again, and he's held without bail. He offered $500 million for bail, and they rejected it. They kept him in a cell. I don't think he was there very long, but they found him hanging from a sheet from his bunk beds in his cell, dead. I don't think he knew it would cost him so much. I don't think he knew it would cost him his literal life. 
But that's just the picture of what the spirit of lust can do to someone once he gets a hold of that person and that person just blindly keeps going down that pathway of deception. It always, always leads to death. Look at James chapter 1, our third and final step, death. James chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, it says, but each one is tempted when he's tempted, when he's drawn away by his own desires. That's the same word as lust, the lust of the flesh. He's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. The word enticed means baited. He took the bait. He took the bait. Listen, guys, when you're on the internet and an ad comes up, or you see a picture, or you see something that is enticing to your flesh, be careful. Don't take the bait. He's trying to get you to take the bait. Verse 15, then when that desire has conceived, see something happens spiritually, it, it gets this ungodly desire, gets inside of your spirit and your mind, and it conceives. And that now there's, there's this, life that's taking place it's ungodly it gives birth to sin and sin when it's full grown notice the words brings forth death so there's these three stepping stones on this path on the spirit of lust path desire that's ungodly deception straight from the pit of hell and then ultimately death if we don't wise up and surround ourselves with people who are going to lovingly challenge us and encourage us to get off the path. Pastor Robert, this sounds really, really hard and kind of hopeless at this point. Is there any good news? Yes, there is. There's freedom, friends. Here's the two words for freedom. You ready? Deliverance and discipleship. There is deliverance and discipleship available through Jesus. We can go to Jesus and we can receive supernatural deliverance by the power of the Holy Spirit and the authority of the Word of God. And then we can make a decision to jump on the pathway of discipleship. Here's the problem. Lots of people think they can somehow just get rid of or cast out their fleshly desires without discipleship. And other people think that they can discipline a demon both are wrong here's something pastor jack hafer said listen to this you can't cast out the flesh and you can't disciple a demon so what do you do you go to jesus and he can supernaturally deliver you from a demon from a spirit of lust and then you can make a decision and I can make a decision to get on the pathway of discipleship. Here's the last portion of scripture I'm going to have us look at and we're closing. Andrew, you can come up here and you can play a little bit. That would be great. Go back with me to Proverbs chapter 7. And I just want to look at the first couple of verses because here's part of our answer to deliverance and discipleship notice he says my son keep my words and treasure somebody say treasure treasure my commands within you and then he says keep my commands and what's the next word live 
keep my commands and live. And my law as the apple of your eye. Keep it in the middle of what you're looking at. Bind them. Bind them. What's the them? My commands. My law. Bind them on your fingers. Always be reminded of them. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Get them down on the inside of who you are. Say to wisdom, you're my sister, and call understanding your nearest relative. Why? That they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. Do you see the discipleship in there? He's not talking about just the good words of a dad. Deeper than that. This was King Solomon. He was raised under King David. They were always looking at the words of God. They were always meditating on the scriptures. They were always taking the Torah, the law of God, the commands of God into their heart and keeping it in the forefront of their minds. Why? Because wisdom is always and only found in God's truth. And he's saying, if you get on this pathway, son, you'll stay free of the other pathway. If you'll make a decision to be a disciple and begin to feed on my word and feed on my truth and allow my word to renew your mind, you'll grow, you'll get stronger and stronger. And the fight for your life will take place there, son. And you'll come out victorious because you'll be walking and living by the word of the most high God. Amen. There's freedom and there's deliverance in Jesus. Will you bow your heads as we close in prayer? Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you that Jesus said, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Thank you for speaking to us graciously and lovingly and warning us and reminding us that you want us to be free from the spirit of lust. That you've sent Jesus so that we could experience life to the full. Father, I pray that the Holy Spirit would bring deliverance and freedom to every single person that's part of our Lakeshore family. If there's anybody that's struggling with any of these areas, Lord God, I pray that you would bring supernatural deliverance. There's freedom to be found in Jesus. And Lord, I thank you that you're going to encourage us, you're going to remind us, and you're going to strengthen us that part of our deliverance is found in becoming a follower of Jesus, a genuine disciple who knows Jesus, who learns from Jesus, who's growing in Jesus. God, give us a hunger for you that supersedes everything else. Our life is found in our relationship with you. We receive your word today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.